All right. Welcome, everyone, to the All Heart Podcast. This is my guest, Juju. Hi, Juju. How are you? Hi. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. Let's introduce yourself and describe your work for everybody here. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Juju or Juju Bay. I'm a medium, a conjurer, a witch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I love the ancestors. I talk about the ancestors a lot and I do a lot of spiritual work um, grounded in and centered in African spiritual traditions and also religions and traditions of the diaspora. Uh, So that's what I'm interested in. That's what I study. And that's what I talk about on my own podcast, A Little Juju Podcast. A Little Juju Podcast. How long have you had that podcast for? It's been a year and it'll be two years in November. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's like super beloved, right? Didn't you get uh, nominated for an award for it? I, I did. In the first <laughs> year, I got nominated for Best Religion and Spirituality Podcast through iHeartRadio. Yes. That's wonderful. Okay. So everybody, I love Juju Bay's podcast. I think it's amazing. I love following you on IG too, but I think, did you disable your IG? Are you off the Instagram live right now? Instagram disabled my IG because someone was impersonating me and they deleted mine and not the person who was impersonating me's Instagram. You had such a pop in Instagram too. I know. It'll be back though. I'm speaking. It'll be back. I just got to talk to the right people at Instagram. Did did you feel some kind of way about that when it happened? Oh yeah. I cried. (laughs) I I was like, wait a minute. I can't connect with my people. I mean, I can, and I have other platforms, but yeah, I put a lot of energy into my Instagram. So it's been interesting, but I'm just trying to, you know, reflect and do other things and not be on Instagram, get my Twitter popping. You're switching it up. Yeah, I mean, I cried and all, but it's been over a week at this point. So, I mean, what can I do but just wait till it's back (laughs) and talk to who I have to talk to? But I have a backup page. I've been on my backup page. Okay. Okay. I like to start with a question, a few questions for everybody. The first one is, how do you like to be loved? Answer me is coming up. Okay. I love to be loved very intentionally. I like intuitive love. Like, of course, I'm, I communicate my needs, but I really appreciate people who can just, who know me or are committed to like figuring me out, <laughs> figuring mm-hmm. me out a little bit mm-hmm. so that they can intuitively be like, oh, I know that you like tea before this time. So I'll make it for you. Or mm-hmm. you know, I really appreciate that. Um, I also am a big nurturer and caregiver. And so how I receive love is for people to allow me to love them. Um, mm. That makes me feel loved and needed. And that's just the thing that I have. Um, and I, my love language is affirmations. So I really like words. I'm a word person. I like to hear things from people. Um, mm. So, yeah. And how do you like to love others? Oh, through nurturing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to listen to people um, and validate their thoughts and feelings and desires. I do that a lot. Um, I, so I, I really like to affirm um, and speak into people. I like when people allow me to just be like, let me hype you up. Like, I like, I like that too. We have a yeah. whole episode called Speak Life, you know? Mm-hmm. 
but we just spent the time just speaking life into one another. It's one of my favorite things to do. I do it I with the it. children too. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you haven't you haven't been hyped up in a, in about a week. Let me hype right. you. <laughs> Let me hype you up real quick. You deserve. In my in my dating life, I used to hype up various niggas. Like, all right, just sit right there. Let me just. Let me give it to you. Listen, it was so me. What does um nurturing look like to you though? What does that mean? It means something different to everybody. Some people are like, Oh, I give you lots of food. Like mm-hmm. what is when you say you like to nurture, what does it look like? I like to if I'm super comfortable, it does include physical touch and like cuddling and like, oh look at you, you're so beautiful. Let me touch <laughs> your face or your hair. Let me do your hair. Let me twist it. But I'm I'm very much like cooking for people, uh, making sure that you're okay. If I know a friend is coming over and they love lemonade, like I'm gonna make sure I got the lemonade. Like I'm make sure I have the things that I know that you enjoy um, so that you feel comfortable in my space or our space or whatever. Mm. Um, so it's really about making people feel comfortable and safe enough to be vulnerable. So, okay, this season is all about, it's called Keep It Real With Yourself. Mm-hmm. so what's something that you feel we all need to be more real with ourselves about right now right now right now um right now and always I think and this is for me too sometimes we can get so wrapped up in what other people are doing um that doesn't align with our values that we sort of put all of our energy into like i can't do this thing because this person did this thing to me or around me or impacted me instead of Mm. sometimes sitting with ourselves and being like okay but what can i do what did i do where could i have made different decisions or where can i make different decisions now to sort of shift the energy like it's not always about what other people are doing but you know it's, it's about what we're doing too you think that's like kind of victim mentality? Which one? Like, um, I can't move forward because of this person. Do you think that that's part of it? Um, I think so. I think that's part of it sometimes. I mm. think it's probably a whole bunch of different things that it is. Mm. But mm. I just want us to feel more empowered in our choices mm-hmm. and that our choices do matter and have impact mm-hmm. in our own lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit more about your background. Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? How did you mm-hmm. arrive at what you're doing right now? I am from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, Baltimore. Okay, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I grew up pretty small family. My family is all from Baltimore. Everyone is here. Nobody's from the Wales, <laughs> really. Um, besides the South before we came here, but uh, I grew up Catholic and Catholic school all the way up until high school. So I was wearing uniforms and went to church and mass and did all of that. Me too. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it's rare. Black girl, Catholic black girl. Catholic black girl, very rare, hashtag mm-hmm. rare. <laughs> um, what else about me? You know, pretty regular okay life i went to school i went to uh, spelman college in atlanta Mm. i moved from from baltimore 18 and went to school for psychology 
mm-hmm. and graduated. And then I moved to Chicago for grad school to become a clinical psychologist. And I dropped out a year and a half in. The Why? Why'd you drop out? Oh my gosh. I was ridiculously depressed and it was not my first time being depressed. I mean, I've, I've dealt with depression for majority of my life, but mm. in grad school, I was so depressed and I just didn't feel well. And even though I got good grades and I was highly praised student, Mm. I just knew it wasn't for me anymore. So I left Mm. and it was the best decision I ever made in my life to leave. But I remained in Chicago for for three more years and then I moved back to Baltimore. And oh, I'm in Chicago. I also started the podcast. kind of just spearheading my life in a completely different direction, I think. Okay, let's rewind a little bit. So you mm-hmm. grew up Catholic. When yeah. when did, I know from growing up Catholic, the witches are not welcome, okay? The 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 juju is not welcome. Like, right. some folks know my son's name is Julius, and we call him Juju as a nickname, right? So I didn't want to name him Julius at all. Mm-hmm. It's my dad, my dad's name is Jules, it's his it's a long story. I'm I'm half Cameroonian. So in in the Basa culture, like lots of folks like to name their children after different family members. Mm-hmm. And then that person becomes that person's umbombo, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not want any umbombos <laughs> in, oh, in my family. Yes. But my husband came and was like, I have a perfect name for him. He's born in July. His name is Julius. And I said, mm. absolutely not. Like that would make him my dad's Mbombo. I'm good. Right. And he didn't know. People call my dad Renee. So he didn't know that was one of his names. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I said, look, the only way I'll lo- allow it is if we call him Juju. But my grandma, oh, oh, she was like, you will not call that baby Juju. You gave him, <laughs> you gave him a good name. Why are you going to call him that devil stuff? Why? Right. You know, like, why are you even going to call him that? So what my background, Catholic, New Orleans, that's probably why. <laughs> right? That Nola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the juju, the magic, it's not welcome. So I'm super curious, like, how, you, how your family took your evolution, what, like, sparked it, and also how they reacted to you dropping out of grad school. I want to know both. Okay. So I've always, well, my mother, I will say, has always allowed me to explore. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother is the one who I witnessed leave a church before anything, that it was Mm -hmm. possible to leave a church. So I'd already left the church with my mom. So it wasn't a big deal. And this was, she maybe left the church when I was 10. Mm -hmm. So my father and my father's side was the one that was more religious and immersed in Catholicism, I would say, than my mom. Mm. so in eighth grade when I decided not to be confirmed which is a process that Catholics go through to basically confirm that you're you're Catholic Mm -hmm. I decided not to do that and it was a very big deal specifically to my father Mm. um and I I kind of got in trouble (laughs) for Mm -hmm. not getting confirmed um and then I think just over time in high school I, I believed in God and I identified as Christian but I wasn't Catholic anymore I actually transitioned to being a Baptist then and that was a big deal mm. then I left being Baptist and then I was Baha'i which is like okay tr- those are my peoples they listening what up to my Baha'i peoples we got a lot of Baha'i <laughs> listeners 
I love it. Okay, yeah. so Baha'i <laughs> is the first, like, I think, belief system that allowed me to just feel free and to accept more than one thing. And that set really, that set really well in my spirit. Um, mm. But then eventually I kind of transitioned from that and I was just looking up everything. I was Buddhist. I was everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, I landed and secured myself here probably when I was like 20 and, mm. and I'm 28 now in, in ancestors and ancestral work and, and reverence. And how did you find that? How did you, how did you get there? So uh, a few ways. I always have to shout out Beyonce because. Okay. She... <laughs> okay. Oh, we love a good Beyonce moment. Listen, people can say what they want to say or whatever about Beyonce. We ain't saying it over here. Okay. We, okay. We, we ain't saying it over here, by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So when Beyonce came out with Lemonade, that was when I first was like, now what's she talking about? Like, what's, what's this imagery? Hmm. Who are these Orishas? Who is Oshun? Like, what, and all the think pieces that came from Lemonade and speculating what she was talking about and referring yeah. to. So I would say that is what kind of pinged something off in my head about actually looking in deeper into traditions. But with my ancestral work in my ancestor altar, I was reading a book by Ayanla Van Zandt. <laughs> and Auntie in, Ayanla, you better name all the aunties. <laughs> and in the book, she it was like one page on how she grew up with an altar mm-hmm. and what she had on her altar. Her grandmother had an altar and how it was just a spiritual experience. But it wasn't what the book was about or anything. It was just a biography. Mm. But that one page it stood out to me so much. And what she said she had on her altar, I just made one in my dorm room. And I didn't know anything else about it. I didn't really look up anything else. I just was like, I need to do this and I don't know why. Okay, so real, real quick, what did your first baby altar look like? We gonna go, we going 101 in this piece, okay? Because I feel like a lot of people have an interest mm-hmm. in giving reverence to ancestors, but they don't know where to start. So we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, you talk about your baby altar. I'll talk about my baby altar, what it looked like. Okay. So what my very first altar looked like, mm-hmm. it um, was a little part of my desk because I was in a dorm room and I had a little tea light candle on it. I had a glass of water and I had the liquor that I kept in my dorm room on the altar. Like that's where I kept my personal liquor. So it wasn't necessarily for my ancestors, but I mean, it was sitting there. So maybe like, like yeah, all the look I was drinking. Y'all was sharing. Y'all were sharing. The look I was drinking in the dorm was on my ancestor altar. Um, but and I had incense on there too. Um, but I also was putting like my phone up there. Like I didn't realize you don't put other. Mm. So it was just kind of a little make shifts that I was putting like my laptop on and just, if I had a little if I was smoking a little blunt you know illegally in the dorm I would put that up there when I was done so yeah that's what my altar looked like my first altar I made when I was probably 14 mm-hmm. and I was we had roommates my parents were artists so we didn't always have like the cash you know what i mean right to live solo so we lived with this like these these chicano brother and sister mm-hmm. and 
It was just strange. If you're 14 and you're living with random college students, it's a little weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's an apartment. It's not even a house. Right. It's like a three-bedroom apartment. So one of them lived downstairs in the living room. When I think now as a parent, I'm like, oh, y'all were kind of on hard times. Like, what were you doing? These are strangers. Right. right. But that particular stranger became such an angel in my life early because I was super depressed and just all in that 14 year old bag all the things that happened in that movie 13 that's that's where I was in my mind right mm, so throwback she, movie. Uh, super throwback right um but she introduced me to the Orisha and I think I was eating and I was before I started eating I was eating some takeout probably because that's all my mom was serving at the time mm-hmm. I was eating some Chinese takeout and she was like wait 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 before you eat you have to put a little food to the side for your ancestors Mm. i was like huh what you talking about and she was like nah let me show you and she would she went took me to her altar showed me everything on her altar i'm sure i can't even remember i'm sure it was just a a basic altar i do remember her having a lot of like you know dia de los muertos type of Mm -hmm. vibes in there Mm -hmm. and um she showed me how to put some food on it she showed me where the water was and she helped me build my own and I'm sure my first altar was super baby, like some water, a picture, you know, a flower right. <laughs> and a little dish where I could put the food, food. Mm-hmm. that and I, I at the time, I remember being just really mesmerized by that. And her teacher was from the Catherine Dunham lineage. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was an Afro-Cuban dancer, that woman, Yaya. And then she was from Linda Goodrich was her teacher. And then Linda Goodrich's teacher was Catherine Dunham. So at that moment, at that year, I started to go through different kind of bimbe vibes, but dance, kind of dance things that had a lot of bimbe vibes and started learning about the Orisha, which was great at 14. Mm -hmm. Still Catholic. Right. Still Christian. Right. And still like that for a while. So Mm -hmm. Once you built that little baby altar, how did that start to grow? Were you reading things? What were you doing? No, really, at the time, it was that one page in Ayala Van Zandt's book. And then when I think when I moved dorms or when I moved, I don't think I ever, I would build an altar a little bit, but it was just because I felt like I needed it. But it wasn't something that I immersed myself in fully until I graduated, until maybe like three years later. Mm, Um, and I don't know what really pulled me I I think it was just people I was following on Facebook and they were talking about altars they were talking about ancestors they're talking about hoodoo and orisha and I'm like okay I'm feeling the stir I'm feeling the stir again and then again like I said Beyonce Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, let me, let me research now. Let me study. Let me find books. Let me find people who are in this life. Let me find the priests. Let me follow them. Let me watch YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'm seeing some commonalities on what goes on the altar. So I'm just going to create one for myself. And then my life, boom, changed. When I had a legit altar, I went to it. The only thing that I knew, I saw it on a YouTube video. The woman was like, your ancestors speak through pennies. Like, when you see pennies, that's your ancestors. Hmm. So I had that information. I built my altar. I sat down. I talked. I prayed. I wailed. I cried. Hmm. And I was like, maybe this is real. Like, I don't know. I get up. 
and there's this pennies like fall from like my legs it was like they fell like from my butt like I, where I was sitting hmm. I just maybe like seven pennies no it was nine pennies nine pennies just fell when I stood up mm. and I was like oh that's Oyan's number again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the ancestor number two so mm. I'm like oh shit this is real because <laughs> all I knew about was pennies that's the only thing that I knew that to, to know that they were communicating and uh, according to this woman from YouTube <laughs> and my ancestors were like okay that's all she knows so let's just give her some little confirmation um, we're gonna have pennies just fall when she stands up from being at the altar for the first time mm-hmm. and yeah that was it mm-hmm. okay so what after that moment, how did you start transitioning? Like, what would you, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Because I know you deep, deep in it from listening to your pod now. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you practicing now that is mostly considered the African traditional religion? How did you get there? Um, so consistently talking to my ancestors I was going to my altar every single day I do not go to my altar every single day anymore (laughs) but when I first started I was going every single day I was giving offering I was like I'm feeling different so I know that there's something here I eventually joined a spiritual house um, a hoodoo house since Mm. that's one of the traditions that I practice so what is one-on-one what is a spiritual house what does that mean a spiritual house is just a, a physical space um some are online now but a space where other people who practice your religion sort of either initiate into or just come together to worship pray we have certain tenants and you know rules that we potentially go by so it's like your church family so you jo- you join a hoodoo house and mm-hmm. i actually don't know if i've ever even heard of a hoodoo house before how is it different than like any kind of like Lukumi house or mm-hmm. anything like that well I don't know if it's necessarily different I think it's just a different tradition but mm-hmm. we're all people who followed hoodoo who studied hoodoo and who went through a particular amount of different rites um, to be able to practice together and so that's what we did and a lot of us lived in different places um, mm-hmm. and it was mostly kind of online but there I kind of got into a routine on how to mm. pray and we got prayers and you know it was like okay this is formalizing some things for me um and I, I wouldn't say that there are a lot of quote-unquote hoodoo houses but this was kind of one of the ones that I found and joined and learned a lot and what is hoodoo for people who don't know mm-hmm. so hoodoo is a tradition of the diaspora Basically, for those of us who descend from enslaved Africans, it's a a melting pot religion. I think of all of the traditions that our ancestors carried across the Atlantic into the U.S., specifically in the South. And, you know, those ancestors did not leave their traditional ideas, thoughts, beliefs, deities. Um, Of course, some of those things were erased, but a lot of those things stuck. So Mm. the things that stuck and was also in a lot of ways infused with the church um, and infused with Christianity. Um, it's, it's just the belief system that a lot of uh, Black Americans carry. And it's really just about being Black. <laughs> like, it's just the things that we <laughs> eat or the things that we do that we don't know why we do. Or, you know, eating certain things on New Year's and Black Eyed Peas being for good luck and greens and um, mm. not 
you know, walking in front of your elders or, you know, it's kind of the things that people call old wives' tales, quote unquote. Mm. Actually recognizing that those aren't just old wives' tales. Those are rituals and beliefs that people carry for specific reasons to keep us safe and out of harm's way. Um, so yes, the way we cook, the way we dance, the way we talk, the way we praise, it's hoodoo. Mm. I love it. I'm I'm here for it. So when you got into the hoodoo house, did you have like a, do they have godparents, like mm-hmm. godmother? Okay. Yeah, I had a godfather. Yeah. Okay. So, and then after you were there, did you stay there for a while or where did you go next? I did. I stayed there for a while. I can't remember how long, maybe a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I left that house. And while I was in the hoodoo house, I was also just starting to practice Lukumi. Mm-hmm. which is the Afro-Cuban version of Ifa, which is a traditional Yoruba religion and veneration of the Odisha, um, which are deities. And so I was doing hoodoo and I was in a hoodoo house. I was in a Lukumi house. And so I was getting both of that information at the same time, which was really mm-hmm. empowering and we're mm-hmm. figuring out how to do them both at the same time because they're not the same. <laughs> they have different ideas and beliefs. But I found a way that it could work together for me. And were you initiated in Lukumi too? So I got my hands of Ifa, mm-hmm. which is a ceremony that people go through to kind of, it's kind of your first step, I, I would say, mm-hmm. in, in Lukumi. Um, at least it was for me. So yeah, I got my hand of Ifa in that house in Chicago. And, you know, I got my reading for like my head Orisha and all of that. <laughs> and I loved the Ile there. Mm-hmm. I had such a beautiful time. I mean, I did leave eventually because I was one of the only Black people. It's kind of difficult. Tell me why. Well, I, I guess, you know, in practicing an African traditional religion, sometimes you just want to see people who look like you or mm-hmm. or who speak what you speak, your language. So, of course, we were praying in Yoruba and English, but a lot of it was in Spanish. And I was just finished. <laughs> so there was a there was a, a language barrier with my godparents. Mm-hmm. Not that they couldn't communicate in English, we did, but with some of the when I got a reading sometimes, mm. like maybe not always knowing the correct word to say to me. And I'm mm. like, I need to know everything very clearly because this is my destiny. <laughs> so right. like absolutely this not be the space for me. And it was just some other things, but I didn't want to be like one of the three black people that were in my house. Um, that makes a lot of sense how did you okay how do you feel you changed like I'm so curious about this Mm -hmm. when you went from like practicing hoodoo Mm -hmm. exclusively to starting to incorporate more ifa traditions right Mm -hmm. and and really getting grounded in that and getting your hand and like Mm -hmm. finding out what orisha had your head like how did you see you shift what are the things that you noticed in yourself? I feel like when you really start to commit to these religions, you just start to see yourself, period. Like Mm -hmm. all of your, the best parts of you, the the icky parts of you, (laughs) like it just comes to the surface. I, maybe that's kind of the purpose of some of these sometimes so hmm. I saw my power in a way that I never saw it before and I felt empowered in a way um my my gifts completely started just growing you know my mediumship 
Hmm. Right. My intuition. That's not something that I was necessarily thinking much about um, at all. And I definitely wasn't thinking about developing those things. So I Mm -hmm. saw spirits. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I didn't used to see those. Like I was going to spaces where Mm -hmm. my mediumship was to be developed. Like I was going and being trained under with mediums and spiritualists. Like, okay, this is how you see. This is how you, this is how you get possessed. This is what Mm -hmm. this feels like. So when you're starting to engage with like other entities more, Mm -hmm. they start telling you about yourself. Mm. They start telling you about your family. Mm. Your ancestors start telling you about problems <laughs> that's mm-hmm. going on. And also the superpowers that you have. So I'm just seeing myself in all those different ways that I never would have never even committed to or thought was important to see myself. Juju, was, really- was it was it triggering in any way for you? Did it bring Absolutely. up any? Yeah. Yes. What did yeah. you do? What did you do? Like what was being triggered and how did you work through it? Oh God. Um, I think, and I don't want to get into too detail because it's like a lot, but um, there were certain things that I always felt may have happened to me as a child mm-hmm. but that I couldn't mm-hmm. remember, remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having spirits come down or people be possessed and see you like see you Mm. and name things that you thought happened but that maybe your subconscious suppressed or maybe Mm. I gaslit myself around Mm. affirming those things were true and happened Mm. repeatedly and Mm. that was something I needed to work through Mm. I was like shit like girl shit Mm. so that's, I think, been the biggest, I mean, and that happens in different varying levels. It's not always super big like that, but that experience of constantly being seen over mm. and over and over again, mm. woo, that's triggering. <laughs> so, but they give you tools, you get tools, you get baths to take, you get Ebo, which is sacrifices that can be made. Mm. You get um, medicine. So these traditions never leave you out here and trigger you like, okay, bye. It's like, <laughs> okay, here are the things. And now here's what you can do to be able to work through them. And you have a community of people who see you and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, the growth has been wild, but so good, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I, I remember being, um, how old was I? Maybe 24, yeah, mm-hmm. 24, 25. And I started to feel um, hearing things and being a feeling of things starting to enter my body and take me over. And I remember how much fear I felt around that. And I was really like, see, I think there's one thing, like when you start, when, when some gifts start to come online, when extra, extra sensory gifts come online and you're solo, I feel like it can be a bit dangerous, right? Yeah. But when extrasensory gifts start to come online and you're in spiritual community, you can really have folks that can give you tools, like you just mm-hmm. said. You weren't you weren't dolo in it. Mm-mm. But I remember at the time, like dating two different guys because my twenties were a good time. 
and hey, hey, what one? <laughs> it happened with one person, and I was, and he started reading Psalms from memory, though. Mm. He said he didn't after. He said I didn't know I knew them from memory, but he started to see that I was being possessed by something. Mm-hmm. And so he just started to say the Psalms over and over again. Good Catholic Cuban. <laughs> he was like, are you on that Obia? <laughs> oh <my laughs> I don't even know what Obia is. <laughs> All I know is they trying to come for me up here, right? Right. So he started to recite Psalms and just hold me and just saying them over and over. And I could feel whatever it was that was trying to descend lift wow go and the other who is who is my husband now when that started happening you know he he's a nigga from detroit he was like that's enough <laughs> he didn't need to do no extras <laughs> <laughs> he was like no it's a lie it's done i was I like i was like okay all that's right energy right there <laughs> is the energy i'm calling that into my own life <laughs> hey it's done we ain't doing that we ain't doing that we Cut ain't doing out. that get out that's it we don't we didn't we didn't need to lit light nothing didn't need to say oh. no magical words ain't no potion because <laughs> the the greatest magic is our tongue right yes mm-hmm. y- you heard okay so you were at that house you were the only black girl in a black girl's religion. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of three. Shout okay. out to Michelle and um, Melissa. <laughs> All right. You, Michelle, and Melissa were looking around <laughs> like, we need to find some E5 folks. Is that what happened? Tell me what happened next. Well, um, I'm the only one that left. But mm. Michelle and Melissa had been there. And Melissa's Afro-Latinx anyway, so... She was cool. Michelle was cool. That's her people. I was cool too. It was just like my ancestors was like, baby, you've done what you needed to do in this space. You've learned what you needed to do in this space. Mm. Time to move. So one of my God siblings in my hoodoo house Mm. was a part of an Ifa Ile or Mm. a different house. And it was not Lukumi, so it was not an Afro-Cuban base. This one was more more traditional, mm-hmm. which is called Isheshe, but it's not fully traditional Yoruba. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like African-American <laughs> house, which has its own, you know, energy, I, just like Lukumi does. I love Black people. We, we, <laughs> we gonna make something, all right? <laughs> we gonna make something so many different ways. Yes, we are. Yes. And I'm here for it. I love to see it. So I talked to her, Baba. I got a reading from him and he was so cool. And I was like, wow, another Baba I like. Like, okay, cool. I wasn't ready to join yet. I'm just feeling it out. I get my readings from him. We cool. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's time for me to, I want to join this this particular ELA. So now I'm a part of OIDSI, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Obafe and the Institute Divine Study of And that's, just, I got my Alekes there, which are my mm. sacred beads, which are the, are the sacred beads for those who don't know. And um, I'm also a Pete B, which is like, also, it's so much to explain, child. That's <laughs> <laughs> another little pet, right? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's my current house. And that's how that just happened. My ancestors told me to go. I left. I met my current Baba. And then I joined that house. And I've been good. And I felt 
Like, okay, this is this makes sense for me. Everybody speaking what I'm speaking, everybody doing what I'm doing. Mm. And yeah, there's just been a lot of growth since I've been there. So and for folks who are listening, uh, the Baba is the Baba Lao, and it's like the priest yes. of of yes. that that house. And there are many different Baba Laos in different places all over the world that are mm-hmm. practicing some version of Ifa, right? Yes. So we're talking about all of this is African traditional religion that's kind of based its head. The head of it is Ifa, right? Like yes. And Ifa mm-hmm. is a Yoruba religion from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm now I'm curious. You said your dad was tripping when you weren't confirmed. How was your pops when you started messing with the hoodoo? Sir, uh, I actually just came out the broom closet. Uh oh, father, like <laughs> within the past year. Oh, so wow. I was kind of secretly doing this work, having a podcast, being very public about what I'm doing and not telling my family. So they didn't even know that who Juju Bay, like I was Juju Bay. <laughs> like <laughs> it was a secret. So I kind of told him within the past month and he was very supportive, very mm-hmm. open, very loving, very kind. I think mm-hmm. he's just had time to, you know, back when I was, I, I was in eighth grade. So, you know, I guess parents change and they have opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I'm proud of you. And he's like, why did it take you so long to tell me you've been like immersing yourself in these traditions? And I'm like, and I had to tell him like, remember eighth grade and I mm-hmm. basically got in trouble for wanting to explore my spirituality. And he apologized for that. And, oh, wonderful yeah. father. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. let's get to the how to. Yeah. Let's get to some how to. All right. I've never set up an altar before. How do I do it? What do I do? Okay. Very basic altar. I like to have mine on a table, but it doesn't have to be on a table. Some people's altars are on the floor. Some people's altars are in shoeboxes. Some people's altars are in trunks. Mm. Your ancestors understand Mm. whatever you have. But I just have a nice little wooden table. I like to put it on something made of the earth. So I have a wooden table. I like to put a white cloth down because that's how I was taught it depends. I was taught with white cloth because white is like pure color, mm-hmm. attracts honorable spirits, etc. So I put a cloth down. The main things that you need, glass of water, mm-hmm. um, fire, so a candle of some sort. I was taught white candle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really all you need, need. Glass of mm-hmm. water, candle. Mm-hmm. Now, you can add incense. Mm-hmm. You can add um some type of element of the earth some people mm-hmm. say your altar should have you know earth wind fire mm-hmm. air, earth, mm-hmm. air. <laughs> but yes yes <laughs> but i tell people glass of water candle put it somewhere that's how you can start mm-hmm. the altar. of course mm-hmm. later people picks up you can do that pictures or whatever but a plant here's a, a question people often ask um, about the pictures do I only put pictures of my ancestors can I put other pictures so I was taught it's ancestor pictures for your ancestor altar like mm-hmm. so you we have collective ancestors mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't necessarily put Audrey Lord next to my grandfather because mm-hmm. Audrey Lord is not my blood ancestor now mm-hmm. if I wanted to create a space that honored collective ancestors I could put her over on a side or somewhere else where I did that 
um, but she wouldn't necessarily be next to my pop pop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do only my lineage mm-hmm. pictures on my altar. I actually don't have pictures on my altar anymore because they told me to take them down. But mm. for those who do, yeah. Okay, so those who are listening, my ancestor altar is a is a wooden. It's been the same wooden table type situation. Mm-hmm. I've taken it. I've moved so many times. It's always been that altar mm-hmm. for maybe 20 years or something. Wow. Um, it has a white cloth on it. It's kind of small. I've had to start sharing it. And that's a whole nother thing we can do for another <laughs> podcast about my personal altar becoming the family altar, mm-hmm. becoming the couple altar. Definitely when we have more space, I like the idea of everybody having their own altars and then yeah. there's the family altar. But for now, we have to all all in together now, given the space that we have, right? And the space that we have, we have both our family ancestry and we have our, it's kind of a mix of a lot of people that we've lost that are friends that are mm. present. And those are, those people often are in the entertainment industry and well-known. So they're there and that begin has begun to extend to a lot of like major ancestors like your Marcus Garvey or your Dr. Sebi's right they're all kind of in our world but all of those ancestors that are there we don't just put up I would never put up Audre Lorde because I don't have a relationship with Audre Lorde but I have a relationship with Amiri Baraka Amiri Baraka I modeled my my art life around his art life I'm still mm. living in the, the idea of what Amiri Baraka built with the Black Arts Movement. So when Amiri Baraka died, I was crying. I couldn't get out of bed. Probably how people felt when, you know, name a more famous person. But like me and Amiri Baraka, I just, I couldn't eat. You know, yeah. I was just like, that's my dude. Like, I can't believe it. So I think if you put people that are not your family up, and they're more well-known people, it's like, what kind of relationship do you have with them? And also what's really important in our world of like putting ancestors up, what was their life like? Not everyone who died gets to be an ancestor. Period. From, from, this is my belief system. So I have, my grandfather is not up on my altar. My grandfather, (laughs) he did a lot of things. He did a lot Mm -hmm. of dirt. Do I talk to my my grandfather and do I pour libation for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I have him up his photo as an example for who I want to be? Nah. Mm -hmm. Nah. Mm -hmm. You know, and he knows why. Is he up in another part of the house? Yes. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to my altar, what am I putting? It's like, what are, am I putting on the, my highest thoughts, my highest desires? These are people who live their life. Dr. Africa, yes, my dude, you were living your life. You, and, and this doesn't mean that people don't have human shit. Right, right. But were you killing people? Were you raping people? Mm-hmm. Were you living in a way that the Ifa would say is not in good character, not right. upright? One thing I love about Ifa is that it's more of a, a way of life. Yes. Than a than necessarily a religion. It's kind of like this is how and I, I'm not initiated. I don't have my hand. I've just I told you since I was fourteen, mm-hmm. followed how to live my life 
in a way that Obatala would live his life, right? right. In that kind of upright, pure way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got basic one-on-one altar. What about libations? I do libations in the morning. Do you pour libations? Is that something you do? I, haven't, I did pour libations at one point a lot more. Um, I haven't in a while unless the most times I pour libations now is in unfortunate events, um, unfortunately. Like I pour libation for spirits that live around my house mm. um, a lot. Um, I live in Baltimore, so there's a lot of death here. Mm. Um, so I do pour libation for those particular spirits, but I haven't done ancestral libations in a while. I do refill my ancestral water for them. So I, I mean, that is a form of libation, but like going into the earth and pouring, um, it tends to be around tragedy, unfortunately. Um, mm. And what's but the yeah, practice? Libations are important. Well, how do you, let's, let's talk about how we both do libations. How do you do it? So I just get either a cool glass of water or I also do liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of depends on what I feel the spirit wants. Typically I'll do gin or whiskey mm-hmm. if I do liquor and I go outside and I will call on whatever particular spirit I may be venerating or pouring libation for. I say whatever prayer or uplifting words that I have to say. And I just pour the, pour some out for the homies. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I do libations pretty much. Um, at least like four to five times a week mm-hmm. in the morning. The children have started to do it with me. Um, I have a plant that Ooh. can take a lot of water and I have the plant there and I have a, a cool water that's from the altar and I bring mm-hmm. it and I just do a few drops of water for each name mm-hmm. and I run down the name first of my maternal ancestry, mine. And then I run down the, 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 la- the lineage of my paternal ancestry. My paternal ancestry is Basa. So my father had to memorize 25 generations. I'm super blessed to be able to say all of the names, but they're only the men. And so I say the names of all the men for 25 generations. And then I go back and I say their names, their name and say the wife of Biso, the wife of Mis, the wife of Njam, the wife of et cetera, right? And so I say all of that. And then I go to my husband's ancestry and I say some of their names mm-hmm. because my children are there with me. They're my ancestors now as well. And then I begin to, this is how I was taught to, by the way, everybody. So I start first with the self. Then I start with the, the larger family. And then I go to the larger ancestry, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, some folks believe too that you can bring in that our Orisha are ancestors, that okay. these other folks are spirits too. So sometimes we go meta, okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we go into Heru, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we go on all the way back, Anubis vibes, but on the daily, we're just dealing with our family right? and really praying for them and, and giving them honor and saying, thank you, I love you, forgive me put me on the right path and we, we marry that with prayer. Yeah. I want to know um, how sex works with your ancestor altar. Ooh, okay. Well, some people, you know, say you can't have sex in the same room as your ancestor altar in front of it. Tell me. 
I okay, so it kind of depends on who you're talking to. I'm talking yeah. to you. Let's see. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had different elders tell me different things, so I've just had to figure it out for myself and had to talk to my ancestors about it. So, I was taught that you, you, you don't want to necessarily have sex in front of your ancestor altar. It's not bad. Nothing's necessarily going to happen to you if you do, but it's more of a respect thing, like just being mindful, like you're not going to fuck in front of you your great grandma <laughs> so why would you do that however there's different things with space some people only have one room mm-hmm. some people just sometimes things happen and you just got your altar out like for my ancestors it's really not that big of a deal mm. and i have had sex in front of my altar but that's not i try to be mindful so that's not your practice <laughs> yeah it's not <laughs> like what i'm looking seeking to do um <laughs> i will cover it up you can you can cover it up with some type of cloth to just kind of show the respect, like, okay, I'm about to have sex, and here, close over <laughs> y'all. Over y'all up, close your eyes, not to be grown. Um, but yeah, I mean, but my ancestors don't care that much. It depends on who you come from and who your people are. But it's just a respect thing. I, I don't, I try not to do that in front of them. Same, hashtag same. But I've lived in a one room thing for a long time. So right. it's not, it's just not next to my bed. It's right. You over there. You over there. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. But I also I got here because someone has sex. <laughs> I also don't think of sex as, as something that's negative. That's right. to me, it's a Puritan belief that's mm-hmm. made it that way. And if we go far enough back, yeah, people were having sex in front of other people as rituals. So mm-hmm. that's Hey, 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 so next next question, money, uh-huh. money and your ancestor altar. I've seen you do photos of you putting money on your altar. Tell me about that. I'm a tourist, so you know, you know, yes, I like that. Bag. I about that. I bought that bag, baby. I love any any more money magic. I'm here for it. <laughs> I love a simple money ritual. I just put money bills on my altar. Um, and I tell my answer, well, I ask, but I kind of say like, all right, let's flip it, honey, bring it back. This is for y'all. <laughs> this is what money looks like nowadays. Don't bring me no calorie shells. We ain't using that for currency no more. We're using this. So when I put this up here, I'm giving this for you all to either pay off some type of ancestral debt that you may need to pay off, or I'm paying you. It's an exchange. But then I ask them to flip it. And they always flip it. They always flip it. But I like to put big bills on my altar and I leave it there. I do not spend it. People ask me that all the time. Do you spend your altar money? No. Once I give my money to spirits, it is spirits money. I don't take it back and then go buy some shoes or anything. I leave it for them. Mm, which, which makes me think, what do you think about, sometimes people when they get into African traditional religion and they realize how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. How, um, you, how you feel about that? Well, it definitely can be expensive depending on what you are trying to do. If you're initiating, it's going to cost, you know, it's going to cost some money. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times when people start, they spend a lot of money just because they want to buy up everything because it's like, oh, I need crystals. I need this. I need that. You just so you then Mm -hmm. end up spending a bunch of money. But essentially, I don't think that it has to be as expensive as people make it. Um, because really what these traditions are rooted in is nature <laughs> and mm-hmm. is, is nature so mm-hmm. you can do a lot being in nature just by pouring libation that's free if you have water and you have some 
source of life on land, you are doing really powerful spiritual work and it hasn't cost you anything. Um, but I'm not gonna say, but it can be, it can be pricey. If you it get can be very if, pricey. If you get Dafa, which is a, a reading with the Baba Lao. Oh yes. And then that's already readings, yeah. Yeah, you you drop in some money. Yeah. And then after you're done and they ask you to do an offering or sacrifice, yep. then that's normally that's hidden. That's it. Sacrificing a cow, a goat, a chicken <laughs> ain't free. A bird, a pigeon, it's not free. And you how know? do you how do you feel about that? Initially, I used to get dafa and never do that part of it. I would mm. say my own prayers. I would do my own thing, mm. and I just didn't feel comfortable with ancestor, like animal sacrifice. It made me feel old school, you know. And then my mind changed a bit. So I want to know how you feel about it. Um, when I first was researching these traditions just back a while back, seeing how much it costs to initiate and get readings and the sacrifices, I was like, this feels capitalist. Like I just was not here for it. And it kind of kept me away from it because it mm. just seemed so inaccessible to me. And I'm like, these are supposed to be traditions that are accessible to us. They're for us. So why do they cost so much money? Um, why does it cost for me to be able to do this? Then I realized that, first of all, one of the biggest tenants in most ATRs are sacrifice. Like, mm -hmm. essentially, you're going to have to give to get. That is just what it is. Ain't no way around it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are to be in the tradition your ancestors will make sure you have a way to be able to foot the bill. Mm -hmm. um, but you also need to be mindful because it's scammers as well. <laughs> so, Yo, they scammers out here. Don't let them hit you off. Scammers. Don't let them, don't talk to no Baba Laos in Facebook messages. No, Just don't no, no, do no, no, it, no, baby. No DM Baba Laos. No, 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 no. <laughs> so yes, it's pricey, but it's not, it shouldn't be exorbitant to where you're like selling your car and your house, which people have done, unfortunately, Amazing. to be a part of these traditions. But I mean, it's currency, it's energy, essentially it's an energy exchange you give to get. And that's just, yeah, that's kind of what I've come to terms with at this point. And my ancestors have always made it a way for me to be able to get the proper sacrifices that I need. But I always was cool with having somebody sacrifice. Oh, I need to sacrifice a goat to get me. Okay, go. <laughs> Tell me how much it costs. Get that goat. <laughs> we ain't even talked about none of the witchy stuff in this one. We gonna have to have you back for I that. I know. Yeah, we we didn't, we gotta we gotta warm up. We gotta warm up. I know. I done brought the animals, the goats in. I know it's starting to get uncomfortable. I know you might be getting uncomfortable out there. <laughs> They're like, hold up. Sometimes I have talked to Baba Laos and said, "Hey, I don't got it like this for that. Yeah. What else can we do?" Yes. Can we do a little palm oil? Can yes. we get a little? Uh, can we get our cola nut? Can we add a couple cola more nut. cola nut? Okay. And why don't you go ahead and add the egg goon, 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 right. and lay down? You know, I think sometimes people, it's important to be reverent, but yes. it's also important to, and maybe that's my African side, like that we all hear. Yeah. We all hear. This is a conversation. Right. So, just like you tell me that dress costs fifty dollars, I'm gonna be like, I only got forty five. Yes. So we on barter 
Yes, yeah. you tell me what is needed. I'm good. Yes, I will barter with the ancestors. Yes, I will. Yeah. And they're okay with it. They are okay with it. They were bartering too when they were alive. They, they sure were. They definitely get it. Can uh, I take pounded yam? Because I don't <laughs> got that. But I got some pounded yam downstairs. <laughs> you know me. I'll be like, tell me the materials. Right. You, you want me to pay you for your services? That's why mm-hmm. I left the Catholic Church. I didn't need mm-hmm. nobody to do the, it. But then, you know, I'm like, okay, you've been in this for a while. Were you a 10th right. gener- generation? Blah, blah, blah. I got you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you got some special action. Right, right. <laughs> so my last question before we move on to the lightning round is, how do you know the ancestors are speaking with you? Our last guest, we talked about this too. Over time, I've learned how to discern the voice of spirit, the voice of ancestry, my own ego's voice, mm-hmm. my voice, right? I'm able to sit in prayer and, and hear, okay, these are my ancestors talking. I call them the grandmothers, the council. These, this is them. Then somebody sometimes will just walk in like, oh, who's that? Okay. But it's really sometimes when people start out really trying to listen, Mm-hmm. They think they're crazy. They think it's mm-hmm. just their own mind mm-hmm. making shit up, mm-hmm. right? And often people like to, well, I just like to see it in signs or in synchronicity. Mm-hmm. But from listening to you, it sounds like you're a true medium where you're speaking and listening and hearing very clear messages. Mm-hmm. So how do you know who's talking? I get asked this question a lot. And one of the things I'll say, it just comes with time and it's not mm-hmm. always something that I can say, you'll know it's you when blah, 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 blah. Like it, it, it depends. I'm gonna say a few things, but it can depend and it just takes time. Just like you learn to communicate with a friend, a lover, a partner, a new person that you meet, you see how they talk. You see that if they're more nonverbal, you see if they give you eye contact a lot, you see, you know, so that's something that you learn with getting to know your spirits just like a person. Now, I will say that when it's my own ego or thought, or if I'm being self sabotage mm. it comes with it comes with the feel, it comes with feeling. Like, how do I describe it? Like when my ancestors talk or if it's my divine self or higher self or whatever, it's just the knowing. It doesn't always mm. come with the anxiety. and. The, there's, no, the, there's no panic. There's no charge. Right. There's no electricity. It's if, just, if it's what they call what your Ori, yes. your, your Ori, your highest, it's a, that calm. Yes. Mm-hmm. it's just the knowing it doesn't it's not attached with all the other feelings and things now my in, my ego and my self-sabotage self and my anxiety doesn't feel like a knowing it feels mm-hmm. like I think I know but then it's attached to me feeling stressed and mm-hmm. all these other things that where did that come from so that's how I am able to tell um, and it's not that everything my ancestors tell me is something that I want to do <laughs> or that I'm just like, yay, I'm about to go do this. But there's still a, a settled like, okay, but I know I got to, I know I have to do this. So I know that's what I should be doing. Um, and then, you know, it gets complicated. Like this is one-on-one, but like sometimes our ancestors tell us things and they might not be honorable ancestors talking to us. So maybe it mm-hmm. is an ancestor 
making you feel anxious. And maybe it is an ancestor telling you some fuck shit because some of our ancestors were on fuck shit. So it takes a lot. Like, and you gotta say, you gotta say, hey, 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 hey. I'm not here for that. Yeah. Listen, you. I'm talking to you. I I have heard requests. I need you to do this. That sounds petty. Mm-hmm. That's not me. I'm not mm-hmm. petty. So I don't do right. petty shit. If you want me to do some shit that's not petty, cool. Right. I could do that. <laughs> right. You know? And that and you know, don't haunt me. Some of the petty ones, they like to come up in your crib, start banging around in pots. Mm-hmm. No no disrespect to my my grown and my grandmothers. <laughs> but come on now. Yeah. Come on now, simmer down. Simmer. And how can you I'm Taurus. What are some practical ways that you could tell us your ancestors have blessed you? Oh. <laughs> Come on. That you can tell your ancestors have blessed you? Testify. I mean. <laughs> Testify. I, I told you, the minute I built my altar and I saw those pennies fall from my legs, my life shifted. Like I felt called to do certain things that I never felt called to do. I had a confidence in myself that I never had. Mm-hmm. Um, my podcast flourished. Mm-hmm. I just, it was like, you need to tell people about this. I'm like, uh, okay, get started podcast. I'm like, first of all, how y'all know the podcast is? So I started podcast <laughs> and like people are reaching out to me. Like I felt this. I needed this. I've been looking for you. I've been praying for you. This is what I needed to hear. And I'm like, me? My little voice? And I realized that I don't have a little voice. Like, I have a big voice. Like, I have Mm. things that are important. Um, And the healing has just been, like, I could sit on here for three hours and talk and testify. Like, my life is not the same. Like, I have been put on a completely different path. I thought I was going to be somebody psychologist somewhere, you know, in an office, and I'm not like I'm some t- somehow some type of spiritual leader to a lot of people. Um, mm. And my words have impact. So I have to be mindful of them. I never thought to be mindful of my words before. Now I have to be. Um, and I take honor in that. Uh, and it's just, I get to see my family heal through this work too. I get to talk to them about ancestors. My mom has an ancestor altar. None mm-hmm. of these things would have happened in this way if I was not doing this, if I was not in alignment with my destiny, if I didn't go to readers or read myself and they say, so you got a lot of stuff laid out for you, honey, and you're on the path to do it. I never would even thought about what my destiny was. Seriously, I would have just went on living my life, being regular, which is cool. <laughs> if that's your destiny, (laughs) but you know, it's just, everything shifted. Everything's changed. I've had conversations with people. I never thought I would. I've told my parents things that I've experienced. I never thought I, all because my ancestors told me that it would be good for me. So I, I'm shocked every day (laughs) at my life. I can't believe it sometimes, but that I'm a whole psychic ass person that people (laughs) listen Mm -hmm. to. but I am. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. And I'm so at peace. And last thing I'll say is I have been depressed probably from age six to age 26. And 26 was when I seriously built my altar and did my ancestor work. Not to say I don't have hard days, but actively depressed and suicidal from six to 26. And this work is what brought me out, helped bring me out of that in conjunction with therapy and other things. 
um, and medication at certain points. I'm like, that's the, the biggest testimony right there. I'm figuring out who I am outside of my depression. Never thought it was possible. You're such Never. a light. You're such a light, Juju. You really are. You're such Thank a you. humble light, too. I really like like following what you're doing. Just on the side. She don't know I'm watching. But you're just going to continue to do even greater things. You know? It's so humble. So humble and so beautiful. Y'all can't see that Juju's actually stunning. So, so beautiful. I'm going to get into a little lightning round. But I just love hearing that. I feel the same way. I feel I'm continuously blessed. You know? And... I just want to step it up even more. So I really wanted you to come and talk about ancestor work because I feel like it's important that we start doing it for ourselves, our mm -hmm. family, and our lineage, but even more so for our world. Our world right now is very much in need of our prayer and disciplined reverence. Like that is what we all need to be on, especially melanated folks of indigenous and african descent yeah. we need to be laying down these prayers my prayers daily are soften the blow soften mm. it soften it soften it soften it our destiny on the other side of this is so incredible i see it it is it is it is nirvana it is heaven we are walking into it but we are in that dark night of the soul collectively this is a podcast that's supposed to be about joy and pleasure it is hard for folks to access that right now yes it is and you know i my my ancestry they whip my ass they say oh what kind of what kind of wife you been you've been being sweet and gentle like you telling your daughter to be are you waiting for someone to hug you get out your fucking ego get out of it Get out of your <laughs> ego, right? Yes. Why you you demand respect from your son in a disres disrespectful tone? Ooh, that's how they be. Oh, why are you talking to him like that? Yes. Well, he's being disrespectful. Well, so are you. So are you. That's that's us. He us. He know it. That's why he's so bold. What is a way you need to be a master right now? right you need to be that master right now how are you gonna master this right now mm -hmm. i want y'all to know i wanted you to come to you because you've had a very um like community based way of getting to your religion right getting mm -hmm. to your your spirituality i haven't mm -hmm. i've been practicing more of an african traditional religion solo dolo i don't I don't talk about it even really with my husband. Yeah. But since I was 14, just like really developing this relationship. And I want folks to know it is always best with people, but you can do it. Yes, you can. Stay with you too. Yep. Ain't never long. Set up, set up your altar. Sometimes you can put it in a little box, blow the candle out, little tea light out, close that box up, put that bad boy under under your bed don't nobody need to know about that nope yep but follow your guidance your inner guidance you know what that voice sounds like it is very calm and it's very still mm -hmm. and i just wanted to just say thank you to you juju for saying that we're gonna get into the joy and pleasure lightning round before you go 
Okay, I love it. What makes you feel most alive? <laughs> um, <laughs> sex. Yep, it's a joy and pleasure lighting route. <laughs> okay. All right, sex. Yes. Yes, I love it. Me too. Okay, yeah. That's why I gave life four times. All right. If, yes. we, if we really knew you, we would know that. Ooh, if you really knew me, you would know that I talk to myself consistently mm. all the time. <laughs> what is the first thing you do when you don't feel good? Cry. Mm. Oh, cancer. Mm. I got a little, I got same. Pisces moon. I feel Oh, oh. <laughs> What is something you were afraid of that no longer scares you? My Orisha. Mm. What comforts you? Oh, my cat Sula. <laughs> what turns you on? Ooh. Nice eyes. Mm. What do you how do you practice self-love? Um, cooking really good food for myself and affirmations. How do you rest? Mm. With good sheets and my salt lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Share with us a healthy habit or ritual. One. Okay. Two came to mind. I would say this is basic, but breathing like saves me every day like intentional mm. breathing my friend Lavon P Pastor Bay she says deep cleansing breaths and <laughs> when I feel stressed or whatever I just breathe in and just do an audible release and that really shifts my whole energy so I would say deep cleansing breaths what was the other one what's the other one affirmations in my water just speaking life into my food or into what I'm drinking and then consuming it. And it has all the good affirmative juju in it. And then I get to ingest it and it's in my stomach and it's just everywhere. (laughs) And our last question, it's appropriate. Affirm yourself. I am. Um, I am courageous. (laughs) Yes, you are. Thank you, Juju. How can everybody find you besides your, you. your Instagram? One of your Instagrams is down. <laughs> yes, Tell everybody where to find you. You can find me on my website, itsjujubae.com. It's jujubae.com. You can find me on my podcast, A Little Juju Podcast. Everything is spelled out just how it sounds. And you can find me on Twitter talking a lot of shit at It's Juju Bay. <laughs> and yeah, those are all my places. And from there, you'll see branches off into classes and things that I'm doing. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you.